do do Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 684. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we got some fun things planned. I think we might call this podcast uh, Four Things. Calm Mornings. Calm Mornings. I'm writing uh-huh. that down. Yep. And we framed it with four different ideas, and we'll see where we go with it. Calm Mornings. And uh, it stems from Kathy and I went out for coffee on Saturday, and we just started having you know one of our conversations about what does it mean to be a parent that, you know, had the type of family we want. We just kind of started rolling. Part of me wishes that we would have microphones in front of us on Saturday morning and record that instead of having to come back here and, uh, you know, reignite the conversation that we had. Yeah. Sometimes you can like get in flow yeah. with your partner or a friend or even with your kid and you're like, oh my God. And, and I call that like a synergy, like a, like a, you know, a synchronicity where everything is like, um, lining up and all these thoughts, you, you're in a creative mindset. You feel that like flow of, um, new ideas or creative thinking or just that feeling of, uh, comfort. Yeah. Sometimes that's what, sometimes when Todd and I have a conversation about things and it's often difficult conversations but I find this place of comfort where I'm like well I'm I'm grateful for this or I'm glad that we are able to do this or that we have the uh, privilege of doing this and there's a, a feeling that comes over me where I feel a little more safe in my own body sure uh, but first a few things one is we have some breaking news That's just my way of talking about Team Zen, sweetie. Oh, I thought you were going to like talk about the election, no, about no. the Senate. No, this is strictly promotional. Okay. okay. Um, and I, I might talk. I might be talking to the men specifically here in a second. But first, what we got going on Team Zen? It's twenty five bucks a month. You join and you get kind of an inside track on everything that we do. Uh, we have these extra Zen talks. We have a speaker a week. Um, actually, it's this next Monday, November 21st. Uh-huh. Heather, Heather Chauvin. Chauvin. I wrote some notes down because I watched her TED Talk this morning. Uh, when she, she had three kids. They were ages one, four, and nine when she got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Mm. Um, and I just watched a TED Talk, and it was really, really good. She wrote a book called Dying to Be a Good Mother. It's part memoir, part personal development guide. What do you think her big takeaway is? Um... I think, well, let me just read what I wrote. Sure. Because it's time to stop using motherhood as an excuse not to take care of yourself Mm. and give yourself permission to create space for what you truly want, it's time to stop dying to be a good mother and start living the life you deserve. Amen, Heather. Jeez. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how much I agree with that. She also has a podcast called Emotionally Uncomfortable Podcast, Mm. and she's got like 900 of them. Mm -hmm. So she's been busier than we have been. Yes. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um... But first, so if you're interested in joining Team Zen, just scroll on your phone and uh, try us out. And we have these micro communities. Actually, yesterday, being Monday the 14th, it was the first micro community um, Zen talk, uh, not Zen talk, uh, Zoom meeting on raising healthy sons, mm. which transitions nicely into, you know, this is my ask for the guys out there because mm. I know the majority of the people that listen to our podcast are women, but there's tons of guys that listen also. And our team Zen is dominated by women. Mm-hmm. We have some men, mm-hmm. but not as many as I wish. And we need 
the masculine male voice in these mm-hmm. conversations. So mm-hmm. my hope is um, maybe your wife already is a Team Zen member. I invite you to join the Zen Talks. If, you know what? Actually, you can join as a couple and it's still the same amount of money. There like, you go. So that's the thing. If, if, you know, this is something that people pay for. But if you are, you know, if your partner is already in Team Zen, you can come to meetings too. Yeah. So this is not, you know getting more from your family. This is, you already have access. Well, I I can see guys saying, you know what, I don't have time for this. And that's fine, but um, that's fine. And But the story I make up about the people who are in Team Zen are also very busy people. Oh my gosh. And they prioritize this. And it's, if you like this podcast, it's just an opportunity for you to take a little bit deeper dive on your terms. Well, I think it kind of goes this way where it's like, we talk about all these things. This is a podcast. You guys are listening. And the most important thing about listening to what we're talking about is then practicing it in your real life. Mm -hmm. Like you can listen all you want and feel good about what we say or feel seen or whatever. But if you're not taking what you're listening and actually applying it, it doesn't really change anything for you. It's it's like just momentary sugar that you hear on your in your earphones. So it's like, what can you actually do? You can meet other people who are who are focusing on the same thing. Like I love these micro communities that are popping up because they're coming from people in Team Zen, like someone, you know, recommending or suggesting, could we have a group um, of people who are struggling with helping someone who's dealing with addiction? So almost like it's not Al-Anon, but it's that model of it's not the person who has, you know, the person in the group is not the one dealing with addiction. Someone in their family is dealing with addiction. And so having other people to talk to about that and getting resources, it just expands everybody's world. And I know when I'm struggling with something, um, I want to talk to other people who are having a similar experience. Um, that's kind of always my, the way I, I do things. Um, so there's you know. great power in knowing you're not the only one dealing oh, with something. You know what? I was just listening every day. I listen to things cause I listen to a lot of podcasts about self-help or challenges or trauma or whatever. And And what you always hear is people will always say, I thought I was the only one, Um, you know, it becomes kind of cliche, but then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, this statistically happens to this many people. There's this many people seeking help. There's, and and all of a sudden you're like, okay, not only do I have support, but there's a normalization to my experience. Even if it was a traumatic one, there's like a, this isn't me. I didn't cause it. I'm not the problem. It's like, there are all sorts of people dealing with this and we get to support each other and find that sense of purpose together. Um, And that's what, you know, getting off of that for a second, that's what makes us feel alive and good. I feel like there's something we were talking about this weekend, Todd, where we said everything comes from helping other people. And a lot of people, when they hear that, think that they have to like go out there and change their profession. It's not about you have to like be a therapist or something. It's about that the ability to hold the door open for someone, to say to somebody, you know, you're not alone, to be kind to somebody, you know, who is having a tough day, like that's what makes us feel alive. So, well, we talked about uh, if you want to give, if you want to get something, give it away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where we, and you know, that's we've heard that a bazillion times, but. Um, well, so, and anyways. the other thing I'll say about Team Zen is we're trying to make it a place where people can get what they need. Like some of that comes from Todd and I, you know, being on the calls and and being supportive, you know, uh, you know, being a resource and a support. But it's also making sure everybody who's on Team Zen knows how to find each other, mm-hmm. find other resources. You yeah. know, it's kind of a launching pad for other things. For community. For community. Um, so as I pivot slightly over, as I, I was talking to the guys out there, 
I watched SportsCenter this morning yeah. for some reason. I usually don't, but this morning I wanted to. I was glad you did. And there was two with my morning tea. Well, and let me say before you move on, sure. I like when you do different things. And and I, I, you, you don't have to do different things for me. I'm right. not saying... You're just appreciating when I... I like when you shift your routine. There's something about it that is inspiring to me mm-hmm. um, where I feel like you're not stuck and wrote in autopilot of here I go do this and then I go do this because we can, even though I understand why we uphold routine mm-hmm. because it can help us make sure we get everything done. Right. I like the idea of you waking up and being like, I'm going to watch sports this morning and then I'm going to go do the things I'm going to do. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It inspired me. I liked it. Thanks, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sports Center this morning, there were two, um, one was a coach and one was a player. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, after a, a tough loss, there's a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. And the Packer, I forget the name of the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, but they beat the Cowboys yesterday. Okay. And he started tearing up. Mm-hmm. And then he apologized for it. And then David Carr, who's the quarterback of the Raiders, lost a real tough game. And he started crying and he apologized for it. Mm. And here's, I know there's some work in this for me, but I get really, some not triggered, but I'm just like, why are you apologizing? Why do we apologize? Because for me, my goal is to be an emotional human being. And one of the emotions that I sometimes suppress because I was taught since I was little was sadness. So when I see people having the courage and the strength and the vulnerability to express sadness through tears, I'm inspired by them. And then they bookend it with saying, I'm so sorry. Um, I I don't know why you have to apologize for doing something st- courageous. Help me understand. I will. Um, so, because women do it too. Yeah. So this isn't a man thing. Sure. Um, I think all people, regardless of gender, um, have a moment where they start to cry and they apologize. The answer to why they do that is because society has told us it's weak. Yeah. So society has told us to not burden other people with your feelings and that what we uphold as as a community or as a society is the ability to repress and be strong and put your head up and be a superhero. So we have been given that message our whole life. And so I totally understand why you're saying what you're saying. And you, like you said, are looking to be inspired. Sure. But it also, it's asking people to, in the midst of a very vulnerable moment, defrag their pro- programming. Yeah. And understand to not say sorry. And I think that's a lot. And I'm not saying they should say so. What I'm saying is that when you're in a vulnerable moment, sometimes you're on autopilot. Yeah. And the thing you, you say is, I'm sorry. Well, if the Green Bay Packer head coach is listening right now yeah. or David Carr is listening and they're past their emotional moment, um, I'm saying that jokingly because I'm sure that they have other things to do other than listen to Zen Parenting Podcast. Oh, what else is um, there to do? In this, now that that moment has passed, just know that next time you cry... I invite you to not apologize. So that's the key is is a person who cries without apology is a person who has done a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to end with is that um, I was just crying this weekend and I said, I'm sorry. How many times did I say I'm sorry mm-hmm. to you? Yeah, a lot. And I am someone who works on this all, all the, time. the time. You, There is programming below, 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 below the surface that is so subconscious, I mean, thus the definition of subconscious, below the surface, I'm being redundant, lady redundant woman. Um, But I also, I don't want to ever criticize people when they say I'm sorry, because I understand that it's asking a lot to be vulnerable and then to be so self-aware in that vulnerable moment that you don't. So it's why I'm saying this is it's a practice. Sure, of course. And there are times that 
I can be the leader of a group of women and I see a woman crying, she starts to say sorry. And I say, you don't need to say you're sorry. But for me to be like uninspired by her, that's not right. I'm totally inspired. It's just then a little bit of the air gets let out of the balloon when they start apologizing to it. Like it's inspiring to me. And I'm like, own your tears. Right. But what I I mean is I totally hear that part. What I'm saying is, but for you then to understand why they're not sure. and to not be critical of them right. because they're having a really hard moment. And oh my God, they're on TV. Yeah. Like, let's add that piece sure, to it, where they know because we have trolly, mm. abusive people out there on social networking, sure. they're going to say, yeah. you're weak. You're, they know what's coming. Sure. You yeah. know, and David Carr is probably feeling he probably has a vulnerability hangover today. Correct. He's... And I just want to say, David Carr, you inspired me because yes. you are doing what I think is a health, a version of healthy masculinity. Yeah. And I think that practice of just like you said before, you have the experience and then you say, okay, if and when I have that experience again, how will I do it differently? Yeah. And I think that we just continue to chip away at yeah. old programming um, and the old programming will pop up. And, and it's still, it's not even that old. It's still there. Yeah. Like that programming is still, you know, and especially with sports, because I feel like it's uh, for some, for definitely for men and many women also, it's a place where they get to have a lot of emotional expression. Sure. So basically what we're saying is, hey, be excited, get angry, get revved up, get nervous, but don't be sad. Yeah. Like, how do you not have that experience right. too? We want whole human beings. Right. Um, so one more bit of yeah. breaking news. Oh boy. I love it. That's a different one, sweetie. An election was called? Is that uh, what you're about to tell me? So I'm the executive director of Men Living Connect. Men Living Connect is this uh, group of men who are trying to be the best versions of themselves. And we just created uh, something called Men Living Connect, and it's a friend-forward social platform. It just launched uh, this last week. And my invitation is, if you're a guy out there and you're listening, to scroll down in this podcast and click on the Men Living Connect icon. And what happens if you do that is it'll take you to a profile. And it takes you about 10 minutes, and you complete a profile. You talk about who you are, what you do, kids, job, all that good stuff, preferences, music. And then the technology will match you up with other men that you have some common interests in. So uh, you complete your profile, you receive some friend suggestions, you'll choose who you want to connect with or not, and then you'll be able to explore a full directory of other guys that are out there trying to become the best version of themselves. So so I really love this. I love that these guys have done this. Like I like the language friend forward. Mm-hmm. Um, this is obviously not a dating app. This is a friend connect app. And you know what Todd as executive director and Sean and Eric and everybody else who are, you know, running men living are trying to do is combat that loneliness yeah. thing that men are dealing with. Like all these, I just, I feel like every other day I show Todd an article about how lonely men are and all the things we see in the world, the the shootings, the violence, the domestic challenges, the, uh, you know, everything we see is connected to this issue. For sure. Um, and so I feel like I just love that you guys are kind of getting in on the ground floor of let's get let's get men some support and some connection. Well, and there's so many other men's groups out there and I honor every single one of them because they're basically trying to do the same, same thing, thing we're yeah, doing. Same mission. But this is one thing that you can 
do right now and and be connected in moments with other guys that also want to connect like, with others. If they do this, okay, because uh, you and you've told me about this, and I've I've seen it, but I don't know all the answers to this. So if they do this, do they then have to like attend men living meetings no. and stuff? Okay, so they can sign up for this and just get the friendship part. Yep. So so uh, partners out there, women and men partners, listen. If you have a male partner who you feel like doesn't have a lot of connections or friendships or you move to a new city. Well, and I just want to real quickly say there's – so guys are going to hear that like, I got friends, and they'll be like – they'll tune out instantly. Well, that's why I was going to say – It's about not just do you have friends. You probably do, but can you be authentic and vulnerable with those guys? Uh, okay, that's good. Um, because if I'm like, oh, if there's any lonely men out there, guys will be unwilling to admit that they're lonely. So the way I like to frame it out is like, you probably have a bunch of friends, or if you don't, please join us. But if you do, but you feel a little bit less than fulfilled regarding the depth of the relationship, this is a way to do it. Okay. I like that. Because what I was looking at it as is like, you know, say you just moved to a new state or a new town and you want to go watch the football game and you're like, I don't know anybody who Even lives better. here. Okay. Could they do yeah, that? Yeah. We have guys okay. from all over the country okay. that are have completed a profile. So if you whether you're in Denver, Colorado or San Diego or Chicago... There is a way to explore the directory and you get matched up with guys around you. So so, th- so it's like you may be like, I have best buddies. I have guys that, you know, would die for me and I die for them and all that good stuff. But then but they're not local. Correct. So it's like or I have a lot of friends. But to Todd's point, I don't feel like I go deep with them. And the and people can connect live or virtually. Absolutely. Okay. We, you do it virtually. You can do a text. You can do phone. And we do have four meetings a week. If you do want to step into one of the facilitated meetings that we have on zoom but you don't have to so it's there's no have to and it's free we're not charging anybody any money oh my god yeah for real for real that's great good for you guys good for you so on with the topic at hand okay calm mornings. so we want some calm mornings and we came up with four words in no particular order no to riff on riff on to help parents out there have calm mornings first of all let's start with this why is morning sometimes such a tough mm, tough time of the day for families well i think there is a short window a small window of time where everybody has to get to where they need to go i think that we ask kids regardless of their age to get up earlier than their body is ready yeah. to get up i think that there's a lot of expectations in the morning for parents you know if you are a parent of young kids you literally not only have to get yourself ready and dressed but you have to get a bunch of kids ready and dressed um, if you have older kids, there's often a lot of where's this, where's that, you know, I can't find my computer plug, um, you know, breakfast isn't right, whatever. Yeah. I just feel like we as parents are oftentimes on the hook for a lot of things. And also kids are being put in a position of having to be super organized and ready to go. And that's not typical of a teenage brain. Well, one thing that as I, you know, so the four words just to kind of tell everybody is responsibility routine, support, and space Mm -hmm. in no particular order. I want to start with the last one real quick. Okay. Space. If, if you can somehow, and this is sometimes very hard to do. Okay. Wake up earlier than you need to. Okay. And not just you, the parent, but you, the kid, because things get in the way. Your hair doesn't, you got to finish this or you Mm got to, what's cool about our morning routine with our kids is, I don't know why, but our kids wake up earlier than they need. When I was in high school and grade school, I would wake up at the very last minute mm-hmm. possible. And I don't know why our kids decide to wake up 
earlier than they need to. And I'm not talking like half an hour, but like they give themselves an extra 15 minutes. Well, I can comment on that a little bit. I think that they have learned that from hard experience. Mm -hmm. And so those of you who are listening to Todd say that saying, oh my gosh, my kid, my kid would never get up early. I don't think, so I have one kid in college. She's not here anymore, but she does a pretty good job getting up on her own. Um, meaning she did when she was here. And then the other, I have a senior and then a freshman. Um, When they were younger, middle school and elementary school, it wasn't always like that. What they learned through experience was sometimes, especially I remember with, uh, you know, Cam, sometimes, well, with all of them, we'd have to go in again and be like, you're not up, you know? And what they learned was snoozing their alarm 80 times Mm -hmm. is not a great idea. What they learned is that sometimes they um, put, you know, eleven or six thirty p.m. instead of six thirty a.m. and they learned kind of the hard way to be more. So, I think what you're saying is completely true. The girls have learned to give themselves a little more space, but that that was hard earned. Yeah, experience. Yeah, and as we kind of like maybe zoom back a little bit, and maybe I was planning to talk about this at the end, but you know. Our evenings have a lot to do yes, with our do. mornings, they do. right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you could talk about bedtime routine. I, I want to like slightly pivot over to the idea because you and I had an interesting conversation on Saturday. Like I I, I think that it's important to have open space. Me too. I don't necessarily practice it that well because I like filling everything up. Well, can I say something sure. just to stop you and just show you what inspires you is you are focusing on, even though I think you've, you're very emotive and you have emotions, you were just talking about you were very inspired by this guy sure. who emotes maybe more than you sure. do. And now you are like, you're kind of an overproductive three on the Enneagram. And so you appreciate open space because you're trying to learn it. So you're being inspired by outside resources. So I'm just noticing a pattern. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. So the conversation that you and I had is we had Dr. John Duffy on a million times on the show or Zen Talks or whatever. And I remember years ago, we were talking about, you know, parenting 101 or what we think is best advice for parents. And you and I... um, we love John Duffy's dear friend of ours, but we didn't necessarily agree with his perspective. And his perspective was, it's really important to keep your kids busy. Okay. And let me back up from okay. there. Cause like you said, we've been doing this podcast 12 years. John's been on our show 80,000 times. Um, not really, but you know, he's our good buddy. I'm backing up. Um, and previously when he wrote the available parent, he was much more focused on because of his practice, yeah. make sure kids have open space. In the times of COVID and in the times of gaming and in the times of vaping, and he started to see through his own clientele that open space may not be such a great idea. So he didn't, he's coming at it very organically, meaning he's having experiences where he sees maybe what he thought before wasn't so. Mm-hmm. And so we're, I'm not debating what he's experiencing because I think he's right. I think he's right too. Um, but go on with what you were going to say. Um, but I also think that it is important to give your kids some space and yourself for that matter. So I, I have buddies whose kids are in two sports at the same time yeah, or they're in a sport throughout the entire school year. I think that's great. But at the same time, like you and I were talking a little bit about Soccer Saturday that we used to have, and we have three daughters. So when two of them were in soccer, Uh it was on the same day. Right. Whereas if we had a son and a daughter, it would have been, you know, in Elmhurst, which is where we live, in the fall, the girls play on Saturday and the boys play on Sunday. And And then I think in the spring it switches. But the bottom line is just... 
through luck, the fact that we would have the same gendered children, then we had an open day in our weekend. Correct. Which is lucky. There's nothing we did to deserve that. We just kind of got lucky, but we had an open day. Um, I see, and you know, this could be about hockey. This could be about soccer. This could be about drama. This could be about choir. It could be about anything, but the, the, the activities that consume a lot of our weekends and after school activities, it's no wonder that, you know, we talk about the, the escalation of anxiety. Yes. This has to be a variable to it. So I love John Duffy. I think his perspective is right. Like I think John would say, if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake with your kid being a little bit too busy than being a little too bored. Correct. Because what he was seeing in his clients was the too much open space was causing them to depend on things like vaping or gaming because they were bored. Yeah. And I think what you and I have in, you know, what we talked with him about on that podcast, I don't remember which one it was, is that we fully agree. If you are a parent who you know you are not going to be available to your kid, like your kid is not, is going to be at home by themselves and you are, and, and that statement sounded not great. What I mean is you're, you have to work till seven yeah. or you, there's expectations that you are, you're in charge of an ailing parent and you're not going to be home until eight o'clock. And there's just no way that you can be there after school all the time. I understand why you're keeping your kid yeah. a little more busy because yeah. they need to have other adult supervision interaction. If you are somebody who there's a little more space where you, you can maybe be around some of the time, maybe not every day, but there is a parent at home. Do, does your kid need to have extracurriculars or expectations from six in the morning until nine at night? Mm -hmm. Because, and, and especially if you have to be involved in it, do you know what I mean? Like if you have to go to everything. So both of you are whipped up into something and we're going to, we're talking about, extremes here because everything's on a continuum, right? Everything is like, you know, there's the extreme extreme where you've got a kid who like barely sleeps, is doing homework at midnight, forgetting to eat, you know, and then there's a kid who does nothing, who's in the basement, you know, talking to who knows who and whatever. Who knows who? You could turn everything around depending on the variables. Correct. Parenting is is messy. There's all these different variables. So somebody could call into his end talk and say, no, I, Todd and Kathy, it's important that my kid is in sports 12 months out of the year. And and you can create an argument and I'd be like, you're absolutely right. Correct. You're absolutely correct. So this is kind of what we're talking about is this has been, you know, again, realize where Todd and I are with our kids. They're much older. So we've been through a lot of these things. We used to talk about these things and kind of hope, you Mm -hmm. know, and be like, this is the way we look at things. And now we can kind of be on the other side and be like, this is how this played out is that everybody's experience is valid. There are parents who are like, I was in sports growing up. It kept me on the straight and narrow. I got connected to my coach. It gave me opportunities for college. It helped me become a leader. So therefore, I want my kids to do that. Totally valid. There are also some parents who had that experience, and then they have kids that sports is not for them. And But we keep saying, you need to do this because I had this experience and I want you to have the same experience. And we create a singular myopic story mm-hmm. of this is the only way my kid can be successful. Yeah, it's funny. You're actually taking the words out because what I just wrote down is don't fill the space in an effort. Don't fill the space just because it's a pre-programmed thought 
construct. Like the way to keep my kid out of trouble is to have him in an in, in after school activity every day of the year for the next nine months. Todd, I have talked to parents, mostly moms, who have worked this out in their brain so far that there's no space for anything. I'll give you an example. My kid is going to make this hockey team. If he doesn't meet, make this hockey team, he will make this one, and therefore we will be gone on Saturdays and Sundays, and we'll be doing this and this and this. But if he doesn't get to start, then we're going to put him in this program, and then he'll meet these kids over here, which will then in turn... Do you see where I'm going? Like There is this idea that we have of we've already mapped out exactly what our kids' experience is going to be for them in what we think it should be and what we think will be good for them. But the person we forgot is them. Yeah. <laughs> the person that we are forgot not... Forgot to bring them into the equation. Right. And and again, you may have a kid who loves hockey and you may... And, you know, you... I'm not saying that they're not appreciative of your thinking and your effort. There's just this balance of making sure... Because what we want is all of the, you know, just that word balance. There is no perfect balance, but I'll use the word flow. If we have a kid where we are focusing on all of these things they need to do, if it be sports, drama, whatever, and then we're expecting this kind of homework situation or these grade situations, and then we want them to sleep, and then we want them to eat well, and then we want them to have space to really think about their lives, and then we want them to have friends, and we want them, it, it you can't, it doesn't work that way. That is, that's an impossible task. And we have to be able to create some release valves in all areas of their lives. Right. We need to be able to say, of course, you don't have to do the travel team if you don't want to. Or if you do, then where else are we going to find room for you over here? We we don't we you know we don't need to say to them you have to be a straight A student or else you'll never get into a college. There can be something's like, got to give. Something's got to give. And, and I think all I'm asking is to evaluate the priorities. Maybe you're like you know what A's are the way to be a great human being, and that's fine. I'm not going to judge it. I. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but if that's, then that's fine. But then don't make hockey the most important thing too. <laughs> and then don't make sleeping the, like something's got to give. Something's got to give. And let's go back to what you said about how you are inspired by watching other people, how you're not doing the practice. Okay, Todd, we could have totally used this when the kids were younger. It would have been a way to entertain them in the car or maybe wind them down before bed. It's this streaming service called Pinna. Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. They offer some well-known stories and so many original podcasts and audiobooks, which kids are really enjoying. Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily card trips, to and from school, and for weekend getaways. Not only will parents love listening, but the kids will beg to turn on Pinna the second they step in the car. It's a routine they can look forward to and makes car rides more enjoyable for the whole family. Pinna is offering our listeners one year of Pinna for 50% off. Just head to Pinna. Dot fm slash promo to sign up and use the coupon code ZPR at checkout. That's Pinna, P-I-N-N-A dot F-M slash promo. Now on with the show. And let's go back to what you said about how you are inspired by watching other people, how you're not doing the practice, mm -hmm. but you watch other people and you're like, oh, I wish that 
um, that athlete would cry because it would make me feel like mm -hmm. I'm inspired by him. I wish my kids would slow down so then I could slow down. So parents recognize that a lot of the expectations we're putting on our kids, we are incapable of doing all the things we're asking them to do. And we're an adult. Yeah. It's impossible to be a hundred percent at work, a hundred percent socially, a hundred percent as a partner, a hundred percent, you know, as it, we, some, there has to be release valves without fear of that. It's all going to break apart and go away. The things that I can share as far as, because I know we're talking about call mornings, but like Todd said, this connects, is the things that we, that they were kind of controversial, or at least people question that we've talked about over the years, is if our kids were done with an activity, gymnastics, a sport, whatever, and they were like, you know, I think I'm done. This is not what I want to do. We were like, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, maybe, you know, let's finish up if there's like a week left or you promised you'd be there for something, but okay, no yeah, problem. Story that we, I'm sorry, go ahead, sweetie. No, go ahead. The, our oldest kid did soccer for the first whatever, since seven through 12 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, I'm done. We're like, all right, be done. <laughs> be done. And then I think it took like a year and a half year before and a half, she found grade. lacrosse. Mm -hmm. and, and she found it herself. And she found it herself. Like, you know, and... and please go ahead and introduce your kids to certain things, but don't introduce them with an attachment to thinking that they're going to like it and do it. Or that this equals this. Yeah. There is nothing that is perfectly equal to another thing, meaning success looks many... This, this kid who, you know, our oldest daughter who's in college, who loves college and is finding all these things on her own, things she's picked up, and then let go of things that she wasn't sure she'd be interested in, in and now she's totally thriving. Like what I trust about her is she trusts herself yeah. because she has picked up things and let them go and tried new things and been able to walk away. And, and she has learned internally what feels good to her. Well, and this goes to where... what I, or I wanted to go in this direction of the podcast and we chose not to, but intrinsic... Yeah value, intrinsic mm -hmm. motivation. Yeah. I don't know if that could be understated. I that know. is such an important thing. And I would love to say, oh, I'm intrinsically motivated. BS. There's times when I'm absolutely motiv motivated by extrinsic factors. So will you explain the difference? Well, intrinsic, intrinsic motivation means I am motivated to do something because it feels right. And it's not um, at the effect of, or it's not contingent upon mm -hmm. how somebody else may feel about what it is that I'm doing. So I'll throw myself under the bus here for a second. We have, after, if you listen to this podcast, we look at the numbers every now and again. Not, I rarely ever look at the numbers. Um, but after a few months, about 14,000 people listen to our show, yeah. which is wonderful. I love it. Mm -hmm. I, we were number one in Poland. We last were week. number one. So in Poland. thank you, everybody in Poland. Thanks I mean, to, that's like so amazing, right? <laughs> um, I, but I feel that if we had not fourteen thousand, but one hundred and forty thousand people listen to the show, I would be even happier. So mm -hmm. there's a motivation for me to market better, to create better content. One because it feels good, which is intrinsic, but also, hey, I want to get showered with blessings from more people telling me how smart I am um, or <laughs> do, how do funny I am. Do people do that now? Um, sure. But oh, just, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know I do. I think you're all those things. But what I mean is like, do you feel like you just like you get three emails a day, but now you want... I want 30. You want 30. I want 30 people telling me how smart and funny I am and thinking, and this is the big lie, uh -huh. that I'll be happier. Right. And so 
the step one is to role model everything that it is that you think you want for your kids. And if you want your kids to be intrinsically motivated, a good starting point is for you to, for me to be intrinsically motivated. And there's times when I'm intrinsically motivated. And then there's times. What intrinsically motivates you? Um, doing, I, I, let's stay within this podcast. Like we get paid a little bit of money for Uh this, but we don't get paid a lot. I just like doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm and there's the only reason we've done this for 11 years or however long it's been is not because we're hoping to get an email from a mom who says how great we are or to get paid by a sponsor to say let me broadcast my message on your platform. It's because I like doing it. Yeah. I'm in Trent now there's also other things that that I would love uh, from an from an external standpoint. The bottom line is we come down here because we want to talk and Correct. we want to work through things and it's just really enjoyable. Um, and what intrinsic motivation is developed. It's something that when we're actually, let me say that differently. When we're very little, everything is about feeling. Everything is about this feels right. This feels good. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. You know, going back to even infanthood, everything is about this body type of this is what I need. As we grow up, we start to learn things and become educated by other people who have our best interests at heart most of the time, but unfortunately often have a different viewpoint on what we need. So it is just this natural way of where we have to, it's like this, uh, I don't like to think of it as a battle, but it's this experience of us monitoring our own intrinsic development alongside a society and an educational system that tells us how to feel and what's good for us. And what you and I have been talking about a lot lately, we had this conversation with Scott and Laura um, a few weeks ago, um, and I don't know who came up with this phrase, but there's no there there. So I th- I say it all the time. Do you have That's, an idea who we got that from? I, I I I don't know, but it's a phrase that I say to people all the time. So for me, what that means is, mm-hmm. Todd, you'll be happier only when 140,000 people listen to you versus 14,000. Right. And there's no there there. Like I would be just as happy with 14. It's, it's you know, it's presence, it's self-awareness, it's everything we talk about. Well, let me say it this way. This is this is the conversation that you and I were having and that we were having with Scott and Lara too, is that there's a lot of belief that if we would just get to a certain level of success um, in other people's perception of what success is, that we would be like, that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That can, you know, everything will be found there. That's the holy grail. That's where we'll be like, we finally made it. And in my life experience, um, which has, you know, not been huge or extravagant, I've always lived in this, well, except for when we were in Iowa, but living in the state of Illinois outside of Chicago, I've had some extraordinary experiences where I have been introduced to kind of that level of success. I'm not saying I have been there, but I've been alongside some people who have. And I have, you know, you and I have been blessed to meet really famous people and have some really good experiences. And all of those people have been wonderful. I have no no negative things to say. But what you and I have experienced in those places is there is no difference inside of us. I am no happier you know, like I have the the thrill and the fun of like meeting people or having an experience or throwing a conference where we are, you know, having all sorts of bigwig people or or being recognized as somebody that does good work. And then you go home and you're the same person at home. There's no, it doesn't change you in a way where you're like, 
I'm now happier. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I always say to people when they're like, why don't you do this? I mean, I feel like I've been saying this for 10 years. People are like, why don't you go do this? Why don't you go do this? And I'm like, because there's no there there. Like I, my there, what makes me happy is I love this work. I love what you and I do. And I love being with my rabbit and I love being outside and I love talking to my kids and I love um, reading good articles and I love doing yoga. And those are the things where there's some there there. Yeah. Does that make sense? The other stuff is fun. And and this is and this is where people get, get confused. They're like, well, what does what pe- people always say to me? What if Oprah called? What would you do? I would go meet Oprah. Are you yeah. kidding me? I'm not an idiot. But I don't look at that and say, okay, now I'll be happy. I would say this is a great life experience and I'm going to take it and I'm going to enjoy it. And then I'm going to go back home and do and pet my rabbit. Like it it won't, you know, it could alter my trajectory, but then I know there's no there there. There's just, I, I think what we all, like, I always say this, but it's my Gen X in me and it's just who I am. I have watched Behind the Music and the E! True Hollywood Story my whole life in different versions. I used to watch those on VH1. Now I watch documentaries. Now I watch, and the story is still the same. Yeah. It's internal. Yeah. It's not external stuff that's going to get you somewhere. I'm trying to find the Jim Carrey quote, um, but I can't. Um, but he said something like, I wish everybody, because the, the easiest version of success is money, right? Correct. And he said, and I think this is true. I wish everybody can be a millionaire for a week or a day or a month or something like that and realize there's no there there that this the same worries anxieties Correct. are m- most all there. Yeah, maybe you won't have you to worry pay about bills. paying your yeah. bill, mm-hmm. but all the other stuff comes along with it and as a matter of fact an abundance of money can sometimes create a lot of problems as well. So I think there's just a lot of wisdom in that. Well, and I always, I say to my college students, you know, cause they're always telling me what they're going to do to like feel better or to take a break. And they're like, you know, trying to go on trips. And, you know, I always say to them, you guys, when you get to Hawaii, when, you know, on this big trip you're taking, you're taking yourself to Hawaii. Yeah. You, you will be there and, and Hawaii will be beautiful, but you will still have all the things you're worried about. And that's not a, that sounds daunting. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's all internal work. Okay, so now let's get back to calm mornings right. and responsibility on that big tangent. What are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching that that success is through being busy, 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 being on three teams, being the leader, getting trophies? Because our kids start to learn very early that it's kind of hollow. Getting perfect grades. Exactly. They, they will appreciate it. They'll have moments. They'll uh, appreciate, like, you know, I have... You know, watching my girls and then their friends and then people around them, like there's people who, you know, cross stages and end up getting like four awards because they're doing this well and this well and this well and this well. And then, you know, because I I do what I do in this town and because my girls, you know, have friends in this town. So I know what's going on with the kids. Sometimes those are the kids who are who are struggling the most. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So we have this like idea of this is going to look good on the surface. But then we're not paying attention to what's going on inside of our kids. And we're not acknowledging their own experience. Like I was just listening to a podcast about, you know, this, the whole, this going down a rabbit hole, but I'm just going to say the very surface of it is this whole gymnastics experience with how um, a lot of gymnasts in our country, and I was listening to a person in Canada, they have been abused in the system of gymnastics, higher level elite gymnastics. And they were talking about how one of the things that gets like, you know, 
beat out of them very early is their own instincts, mm. their own sense of what feels okay, their pain level, their own, all these things, they're told, no, you're not in pain. No, you're going to keep going. No, you're fine. No, you don't need to eat. No, you don't need to sleep. And then they don't anymore know. Intuition is gone. Their intuition is gone. And that's that's why I'm obsessed with talking about cults because that's what cults do. That's what high control groups do. They make you get to a point where you no longer know what you want. And we as parents, so bringing it back home. I'm bringing it home, Todd. Bring it home. We as parents don't want to contribute to that by telling our kids what they have to do or who they have to be to be successful. We want to help them in telling us how they feel, what feels right. I had a one of my daughters this weekend worked on a creative project that she came up with by herself said, dad, take me to, to Michael so I can buy all this stuff and worked on it for hours and hours and hours and hours. And she felt so good about it because it came from her. It was hers. You know, the only help she needed was getting a ride somewhere to get the stuff. And she felt so full. Yeah. She said she had a great weekend. She did. And it was this, and it was a creative project that had nothing to do with the adulation of other people or that she's not going to sell anything. <laughs> she's so not true. making a website. Yeah, there's there's no end other than the process of doing it. It's the process of and doing it. So we it. went to Michael's and she needed felt and she needed buttons and she's <laughs> making these gingerbread things. And I'm just like, now I'm like, on, I'm in for the ride. Right. Like, I can't wait to see what this kid does. But Maybe three years ago, I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, what, why are you going to give this to grandma? Are you like, are you going to sell it? Yeah, are you going to sell yeah. it? Should we create a website? Are so these going to be Christmas presents? And she's <laughs> yeah. really just making these gingerbread mm-hmm. people out of felt. And I'm just like, Go. and And the key is it's not about the output or what's done. It's about the process. And this is the truth with sports and everything too, is that if our kids get to a point where they're like, well, I occasionally love the game, but I hate the practice. I hate the coaches. I hate the kids. Are we really going to be like the the whole process is then a problem? Mm. And I understand why they like the game because there's a lot of like people attention, attention. And so that makes sense. But I would hope to help. The bottom line is no matter what you do, parents, because everyone's going to have their own journey with their different kids. And and Todd and I don't know what's right for your family. What we're saying is, can you pay attention to their input? And instead of having them focus on what everybody else thinks about them, like we even parent, people parent that way where they'll be like, well, what will these kids think? Or what will the coach think? Or what will your teacher think? And we're not saying to them, what do you think? Right. What did, what feels right to you? Right. And then let's have that be a starting, if a kid, and so a parent will say to me, Todd, well, then my kid will say, I don't want to go to school. And I'm like, okay, listen. Structures, boundaries, kids go to school. That's not something we're debating. Mm -hmm. But how will you show up at school? What way do you study best? Is it really important for you never, ever to miss a day? Right. And that's another thing. One of the, you know, controversial takes that we've always had is our kids, if they're really struggling or exhausted or whatever, that they can take a break from Mm -hmm. school. What does that mean? you know, miss a class in the morning, have a a day off for mental health. It doesn't happen that often because our kids know it's available. Yeah, it's the candy thing where if you put M&Ms in the kitchen, you think that your kids will just be eating M&Ms every day and they don't. They don't because they're, they know it's available. So, and a lot of times I'm, now that my girls are older and kind of responsible for themselves, I'm kind of the one who's like, why don't you just take a break? And they're like, mom, (laughs) 
Sweetie, you, we're turning into your parents right now. You know that, right? <laughs> my parents, my phrase that my parents said to me it, once they were retired and older, this wasn't always when I was a kid, but was, gosh, we just hope you can come see us and take a break. That yeah, was like you, my dad. You guys are so busy. You guys you are so take busy. Take a break. And I got, I think I'll share a little bit of, uh, so when I was little, we only got sugar cereals for our birthday. Yeah. And um, so I was with Skylar at Target. And I'm like, we're getting, they have holiday crunch berries yeah. and I'm getting it. So it's funny. Like, I feel like. Well, wait, so what, what is that story? The story. So you bought them is what I you're bought saying? them. Okay. Okay. And, um, I love having them, but I feel like there's baggage left over of this like scarcity mindset mm-hmm. that my parents, you know, I lo- loved them, love them, love my dad, love my mom. Um, but sugar cereals were not part of it. And part of me feels like I get super jazzed when I get a sugar cereal mm-hmm. now because I never got it when I was little. Yeah. So I don't I I don't even know what point I'm making other than the fact that that I'm still dealing with that idea of scarcity. That concept, yeah. Because right oh. now if you look in our cupboard, I I just finished Lucky Charms last night. Yeah. And then we just got some more crunch berries. Well, and there's going to be people listening who are being, going to be like, that's awful for kids. That's sugar. Don't you know what that does in their body? Absolutely. And yeah. it's not their normal. That's not what they're normally eating. Right. What Todd is saying is that do we keep things right. from people? I feel like we're going down a totally different track here. Yeah, that's fine. But there is. this is what we mean by flow is there is control over mm-hmm. and then there is flowing with. Yeah. And control over is you can't have that. You can only have it once a year. We're never going to buy it. This is bad. Sugar's bad. And then there's this, Todd and I have learned a lot about food, you know, from experiences with our kids. Mm -hmm. Like we had a lot of uh, structures and um, boundaries that we learned to adjust because it wasn't working and it could actually be harmful to our kids. Well, and as we continue to kind of like be totally off topic. um, (laughs) Let's just just talk about. It's about (laughs) collaboration. I remember we're talking with one of our friends who was struggling with one of his daughters and I'm like, can, can you just collaborate with her on what the best solution is? Correct. And maybe you can't do that with a three-year-old regarding fruity pebbles and crunch berries, (laughs) but as our kids get older, sometimes the best solution is to put yourself in a position where you can be open and truly listen to the other. And whether it's about sugar cereal or missing a day at school or deciding to quit or not quit the soccer team, like collaborate with them and figure out what's best instead of I'm the parent. So I just, I'm the dictator and I decide what happens in this house. Well, and I think the deep dive that we need to have is where did we learn what we learned? Yeah. You know, because the thing about sugary cereals, I totally get it. Like our parents came from a generation where there was a lot of like, I remember my mom got really into health food stores and we weren't having real chocolate. We were having carob yep. and we were like, what's they, carob? I don't know. It's some, Chocolate. Fake, fake chocolate? It's mocklet. Mocklet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like there was like, it, it was just a, we are in the phase of life that we are in. Meaning like right now as parents in 2022, there are certain things we're worried about that we're focused on that we are then overreacting to, or if not overreacting to, we're spending a lot of time and attention on it. Whereas 10 or 20 years from now, we'll look back and go, that was dumb. And some of that is that like, 
with our kids, it doesn't mean our kid, our three-year-old wants, we're just used to the sugary cereal that we say, okay, you can have this all the time. But where did we learn that having it occasionally was going to be harmful? Where did we learn that if we give it to them occasionally, then they'll overpower us and want it all the time? Like there's all these beliefs that we have that that's what we need to question. Remember that part in parental guidance because they're like a really strict set of parents? Uh Uh-huh. And they, they're not allowed to have cake. Right, or, or ice cream. Or yeah. ice cream. And then grandparents show up and give them cake. And the one girl's like... She's like, you told you me. You lied to me. You lied to me. Because she, she said cake tasted like yogurt or something yeah. like that. And so in the and again, this is an over-exaggeration because it's, it's a movie, but then they're eating the cake like crazy yes. because they haven't been allowed. And and again, that's part of the reason we like that cheesy movie, uh, Parental Guidance. We actually did a pop culturing about it. Oh, that's It's because right. even as cheesy and whatever that it is, it's teaching that lesson of moderation is mm-hmm. that you've got these parents who are trying to be perfect parents and they're trying to do all these things and have their kids have all these external successes. But what they're missing in the process is the connection with their kids and their kids learning to speak what they need and to have that intrinsic motivation because what you need for the future, I'm bringing it back home again, Todd. Sweetie, I want to play the clip. from Okay, go games. ahead. What did you do? No, I, I just got here. You gave them cake? I gave them slivers. She's stuffing the cake in her mouth right now. This perfectly sums up your entire approach to parenting. We have an approach. (laughs) I missed the part where she's like, you lied to me. Well, and, and that's the thing is like, there is no... One thing that I never want to do on the show and say, if you do this, this will happen, because I don't know. We don't know. What I know for sure is that if we can do things in in a way where we realize we're evolving and trying things and practicing things and letting go of things and learning new things in the process, that's how we collaborate and connect with our kids mm-hmm. is if we already have a plan of how things need to go and if it doesn't look this way, everything's going to fall to crap, that's when we force our kids into a box and we tell them they get the message that if they don't show up a certain way, they're not good enough and that they can't talk to us about what they need because then they we won't understand or we'll be disappointed. And I think if we give our kids the space to ask for what they need. They what this is the thing that does happen and I'm saying this as a therapist is that when our kids know they have space to talk about what they need, they have a natural inspiration and desire and ambition to do things. We think that if we let them have space and time and, you know, and the ability to process that they'll take advantage of us or the system or that they'll manipulate. That's not the way human beings really interact unless they're already feeling caged. Mm -hmm. People who are caged and in a corner do sometimes manipulate and do lie because they don't feel safe enough to be able to do anything else. They're just trying to get out of that, like that sense of fear, that fight, flight or fawn, you know? But if they know they have space, they have a natural desire and ambition to do things in the world, but they're doing it from the space of their sense of self rather than the external rewards or the need to be pleasing to us. And then we get to enjoy it. Like, you know, one of my daughters is a photographer, something I never thought she would pick up. I don't know where she found it. I don't know how that occurred. Um, I think actually her older sister kind of started doing some stuff first and that whatever. And now she takes these beautiful pictures and it has nothing to do with us. 
She found it herself. And I don't care if she continues it. I'm not like, now you need to go be a photographer in life. I've just enjoyed her being good at something that came from her. Sweetie, we don't want to put our kids in a cage. Um, so we're going to switch things up and we're going to close this podcast. Man, with, we didn't get to any of with the a quick take. thing. We did. We, we covered one of the four. And did we? Space. Like, okay. We covered space. Space. Okay. And, and space, can I just say this? Cause then I know you're probably going to sum it up, but space means so many different things, you know, space in your mind, space for their time, space in their experiences that they're having, you know, space in your relationship with them. Like it, it is not fearing space. Yeah. Um, so here's my quick take. Let's hear it. Uh, what do we do on Saturday night, sweetie? Where do we go? Let me, oh. help, let me help you out. <laughs> it's true. First of all, we're going to talk about Night Ranger, but please play another song because everybody thinks the only songs that Night Ranger uh, has. What's the second to last one they did? Um, Don't Tell Me You Love Me, which was <laughs> the best. And all, actually, Todd liked when they played Goodbye because it was acoustic. But people think Night Ranger only has one song, and they have a greatest hits, everybody. <laughs> I'm looking at the video. They look different Saturday than they do in this video. Don't tell me you love me. So okay. go ahead, sweetie, because so, I got some takes. Okay. <clears throat> so Todd and I planned to have a date on Saturday night, and we had some options because Amy Schumer was in town too, and Amy Schumer is one of my favorite people. Um, and I thought it felt kind of a lot to go to Chicago that night for a lot of reasons. But I have been a fan of Night Ranger since I was in eighth grade. And in college, I had a resurgence of Night Ranger because they came out with the greatest hits. So they've been in my life a long time, and I told Todd, to his disbelief, that I have playlists still that have Night Ranger songs on them. So when I saw Night Ranger was coming to Rosemont, which, which is, is like five ten, minutes yeah, from us, five minutes from our house. I was like, we have to go. Like, this is like it, it fell on a night that was busy and there was a lot going on. But I'm like, this is like a band that has been around for, as we know from their big flag behind them, 40 years. Um, so we went. We and did. It was great. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> let me just um, own my piece of my ability to be a good husband and sometimes a bad husband. Okay. Um, I'm a good, one of the reasons I know I'm a good husband is because I went to Night Ranger with you. I have no interest in Night Ranger. Ted goes to Backstreet Boys with me. I do all these things. So yeah. let me just talk. I do all these things. Let me talk about how great of a husband I am, okay. right? Um, why I'm not a great husband okay. is when we go out on a date, I still have this thing about me that I have this mind block and I don't appreciate when you, what's the word I use that made you laugh? <laughs> Dressed up 
I think that's the term I use. And you know, any partner wants to be so. Noticed. So explain that again. You you don't okay. notice. When I don't I... notice when we're when, after you're done getting ready for okay. our date. Yes. Before we go out, yes. you do something different with your hair. You yeah. wear different clothes than you do on a regular Tuesday afternoon. And I'm just a really poor noticer, and I own it. I don't want to like blame anybody. I'm working on it, and it's just and this is not from you not telling me. You've been telling me this for maybe 20 years. Like Todd noticed me when we're getting ready to go out on a date, and I just I I'm still working on it. Well, this is kind of what we realized. So I I am very good about letting Todd know, like right now. Okay, because remember we got to piece all these things together. People have been listening to Zen Parenting a long time. I'm a words person. Okay, and I as a words person and also as a two on the Enneagram, I am constantly telling people how I feel about them, how they look. Um, if I feel like, it, and it's not always about like you look pretty, it's things like you seem happy or I'm, I'm trying to connect with people like what's going on with them, right? So that's a way that I feel and experience love. It's also a way that I offer love. Todd is not a words person. I've always known that. He he is an acts of service guy. For example, he will go to Night Ranger with me and be a total like rock solid date. Like he doesn't make fun of it. Well, you make fun of it, but not in a like making it. I'm about to fun. make fun of it and honored okay. at the same time, but go ahead. Okay, perfect. So, but he, the piece that he has missed since I have known him, Todd and I met when he was 20 years old. So we've known each other for 30 years. The thing that he, he doesn't, like he's not a player. <laughs> and let me, I kept telling, I was telling this, him this on Saturday night is Todd never, because he didn't like date around a ton or like wasn't that interested in dating, he never really learned how to like shtick. smooth a girl. Yeah, I had no shtick, I had no move. He, he wasn't like, gosh, you look really nice, or oh my gosh, you smell good, or, or oh, your hair it smells so good, or just these smoothie things that guys have done, you know, my whole life prior to, you know, when in my dating time. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and again, I understand some of it is the reason we're calling it shtick and smooth is some of it is just to get you know, to pick up, to pick up. Right. So I'm not oblivious to that fact, but some of it is, makes you feel connected. It sure. makes you feel wanted and needed and loved. I mean, the reason it's so funny because my daughter watched twilight this weekend for the oh, first yeah, time, right. my youngest, my other two have seen oh, it and so read it. Loved Edward. I know. And I loved Edward when I read twilight and when I saw twilight 10 years ago or whatever, because the reason people got connected to Edward was because of the way he felt about Bella and the way he felt about her was you are, you're the one I've been waiting for. Everything you are is what, and she was just kind of an average normal girl. Like that's the way that she's portrayed. But he's like, I see something in you that's so different and I have to have it. And I've waited a hundred years for you. And that feeling of being seen in that way is what I think all humans appreciate regardless of gender. (laughs) It's like all the things and then when I get dressed up or like do my hair or do things to f- want to feel pretty, yeah. he doesn't see it. Like, yeah. and he doesn't say a word about it. So I have said to him, "Please say something." My gosh, Todd. Well, and I haven't said you it don't that say it like way. that. No, no, I say I said before we go out, Hello. will you do me a favor and just notice notice that I got dressed up and that I did my hair, and then he'll feel so bad because he'll be sitting there with his drink, <laughs> you know, like he's watching sports, and I'm like, so I'm ready to go. Yeah. But will you just kind of hone in on yeah. me for a second and just encourage my participation as, you know, in this yeah. experience of wanting to be wanted and, and loved? So I am working on it <laughs> and I 
I am not making any excuses. It's completely within my capacity and my power. I just have not prioritized it the way I feel like I need to. And you haven't honed it, like, because you didn't have that, like, player. No, I never had to. You didn't have to do it. I did not pick up a lot of girls. Let's just say that. I was mostly uh, wanting to get drunk with my friends. Right. Um, Not proud of that, but that's simply the truth. And I... Um, I never had to do it because it wasn't important enough to me. And it just seems like it's shallow, che- shallow and cheesy, yeah. but, the, but <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a man appreciating his wife when she gets ready to go out. Like it's, uh, and it's, it, it's okay. Like people listening, th- we didn't have an argument. No, about it. it was fine. It's and, a funny thing. Like, like I said, I have known Todd forever. And for, I said to him, well, we were having this discussion. He's so wonderful. Cause we can have these talks and you know, it, is that he is so like matured and responsible and grown up. Like I've watched him, you know, as his partner, he's grown up to be this man who has, who's become a, a man, a really honorable man. He always has been. And there's just this like tiny piece that he never had to hone, which was that like a little bit of a player. Sweetie, my <laughs> inspiration is going to be Petrovsky from Sex in the City. There you go. Remember when he was like showering her with poems and everything? And she and that and was she, called the ick factor. Yeah, and by she's the way. like, you got to back off on this. Yeah, like, can yeah. we just like eat some pizza and watch TV <laughs> instead of be by the fire having glasses of wine? You reading poetry? You're right, me. right. And so that's the thing is the truth is, Todd, you don't need to change. The, I I don't really I'm not I know I, and, and you you're wonderful you like, address it through a levity it's <laughs> so many other partners would be like are you gonna comment are you gonna <laughs> notice and you did it and in a way that didn't make me feel defensive so thank you for that on to Night Ranger <laughs> I want to just share that this is not my type of music no um, I did like a few songs sure I was uh, being carried by a lot of vodka that night, yeah. which helped me with enjoying our time together. Um, and I, and you know, there's a part of me that's like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm going to Night Ranger. Oh, like, okay. And then there's another part of me that honors the fact that these people are still together. Oh, I know. Making music, I'm, I'm. The older I get, the more in awe I am of any type of creative expression. Yeah. And these people, whether it's the keyboard guy or the singer or the guitar player or the drummer, they've been doing this since they were little young men, mm-hmm. and they're still doing it. And I just like I honor them for continuing to do what they love. Like I don't think they're making a bazillion dollars. No. I mean, we know they're not because we know the size of that room. <laughs> But there was a lot of people. There's probably well, there were there were people like me who you know it, it was so funny because it was just fun to be with people who like at one point I said because also the lead singer was in the band the Damn Yankees um, and they sang some Damn Yankees songs and anybody who knows Damn Yankees one of their biggest songs was High Enough which I used to love in college and at one point he said something about let's do a Damn Yankee song and I go I go Todd they're gonna sing High Enough and this girl in front of me is like if we're lucky like you're with people who I am Sweetie, a you're cheesy with your peeps. Your pop peeps. singing person like i have always and i like rock music from the 80s i also like really good stuff you know like i also really good stuff what that's i was hilarious. that's a societal norm driven into my head i also like classic things that people like obviously i love the beatles obviously i love bruce springsteen uh, obviously this is my favorite
I was doing a lot of this at the concert. Sweetie, don't, people don't know what you're doing. Well, I have some, like, I have, it, we don't call it heavy metal uh, anymore because that is different. But when I was younger, I had a lot of rock roots. How do you say it? That, um, you listen to the hair band. I do. Channel. I have a, like a, like loud drums, loud guitar thing in me. And Night Ranger doesn't fall into that category quite yet, but rock, man. Like it's the, you put, so you guys can't see me. You put your finger, your pinky and your pointer, your finger. pointer finger up. You're not doing the, I love you thing in sign language. You're bringing your thumb over and you just, you do these, this sign. So you, is it like a bowl? What is it like? Anyway. Don't mess with the bowl, young man. You'll get the horns. <laughs> but this is like, this is like, makes me feel like me when it's like the music is playing and we're listening to it and i feel like myself talk about intrinsic motivation the society does not like night ranger <laughs> right i do yeah so i it's okay if people who are listening are like that's bad or they're bad or i it's I, you can have that opinion i am not trying to convince you nor am i trying to convince todd i feel good when i hear those songs just like I feel good when I listen to Backstreet Boys, just like I feel good when I listen to the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what I like, and that is yeah, okay. If, yeah, in other words, don't like music because it's the cool thing oh, to God. do. I, when, when my daughters come home and say, well, I talked to someone, and they said this band isn't good, but this band is, I'm like, to them. This is not, you get to decide what you like. And, and nobody should, people can, like, as a pop culture person, I love to hear history. And I, like, Todd and I were just watching a thing about a whole bunch of drummers and who's really good at drumming. And I love, like, talent. And people can point out this person's more talented, totally hear it. But the way I feel when I listen to a certain kind of music, that's all that matters to me in the moment. Thank you, sweetie. And thank you, Night Ranger, <laughs> for entertaining me for an evening. We had fun. It was fun. And I loved the people. And then we came out, because first of all, we didn't even finish by saying, Todd bought me a Night Ranger shirt, which oh, was yeah. really nice. And then we came out of the event room, event room B. Yeah. <laughs> and then we sat at a, a bar and listened to another like acoustic uh, band play. It was two, got one guy on a mandolin, one guy on a guitar, and they were awesome. And that's all, all I need. Like, I honestly enjoyed the guy's outside the venue doing the acoustic thing. And that's just my style. Like, I don't like the loud, heavy guitar thing. Like, just give me a guy who knows how to sing and he's playing the guitar with songs I know. Like, I'll be there for 10 hours. Like, I never wanted to end. I didn't want to go home. Oh, we were having so much fun. And I ended up tipping the guy 20 bucks to have him play. <laughs> I wrote down on their little business card, either play Change by Blind Melon or any, any Smashing Pumpkin song. And he took it, never even looked at it, and threw it oh threw God. it in his tip Todd's jar. Todd's like, first of all, it was my 20. Yeah. So Todd's like, give me your 20. I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to give you my 20. It's all I have. And he's like, give me your 20. And and I t kind of felt like we had been sitting there listening to them. So we definitely should be tipping them, by the way, everybody. So I'm like, okay. And Todd's like, I'm going to do a business card. And I'm going to wrap this in it. I'm going to put the 20 down. Yeah. And I said, well, hand it directly to him yeah. if you really want him to play a song. So I watched Todd set it down. Then Todd went to the bathroom and I watched the guy hey, whip hey. the card. And put the twenty yeah. in the bucket. Like Todd, that didn't work. Bummer. Um, but they, but the money we were fine with. They were great. Yeah. And so, you guys, music is great. And the things our kids are interested in, bringing it back. So I know we're closing up here. Whatever our kids are interested in is great because they get that feeling, like the feeling I have listening to Night Ranger or listening to drums or listening to Def Leppard or whatever. 
I want my kids to find that feeling in their own way, not just because I like it, but because they find it in themselves. Like that's what intrinsic motivation is. Boom. And I'm so sorry that we said we were going to talk about calm mornings. (laughs) We did a little bit. A little. Um, Don't forget our partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. Avid Company is the name of his organization. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. So if you have any home projects coming up, reach out to avidco.net. We will see you all next Tuesday. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.